HVAC 360 is brought to you today by the letter P. All hail the letter that brings us words like pressure, pumps, and everybody's favorite, payday. We just want to take a moment to remind you that other words also begin with P, like phenolic, photovoltaic, pneumatics, and lest we forget, psychrometrics. Letter P, thanks for all that you do. Paid for by the Council of Not-So-Simple English. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. This is episode number 92. Matt Nelson here, your host for HVAC 360, helping you go further and faster in the field of HVAC. Uh, in this podcast, we share stories, interview industry experts, and help you add some best practices to your HVAC toolbox. If you haven't already, and this is your jam, why don't you go to HVAC360.com and join my growing mailing list, where every Friday I send out some uh, more stories, play some uh, play some games, a little photo flaw game, and share some uh, learning opportunities. Uh, and that is served up on a weekly basis. The best part, I keep them short. So... What's up for this week? Uh, this week, I wanted to share some advice and best practices surrounding the duct sizing methods. Um, I may mention a couple of things regarding design and layout, but I'm going to save that for another episode. And we'll get to those uh, best practices and advice right after a brief word from our sponsor. So one of the first tasks that I was given as a young engineer was to help an older engineer do some ductwork sizing. Some, some, you know, seems simple enough. Um, he had laid it all out for me. He had listed the CFM on the plan, and he had kind of slid it over, and he says, okay, what I want you to do is I want you to size this ductwork, um, and I want you to use your duct sizing calculator. So I was doing this all by hand, and the duct sizing calculator is nothing more than a, a, a um, duct sizing wheel. So it was a little wheel that kind of equated velocity, uh, pressure drop, and duct sizes. And you kind of match those all up. Um, it's pretty easy to get a hang of. Um, and I know that, uh, you know, the one that I was using was a cook. Um, other things, uh, Train also has a, a trademark one they call the ductulator. It's a combination of a duct and calculator. So ductulator. So I might be referring to those as ductilators um, just inadvertently. It's like Kleenex for our industry. Um, so, and he gave me the instructions of, okay, take the ductwork, you get the CFM, and you line up the uh, the pressure drop. And for supply ductwork, we wanted to use uh, 0 0.1, 0.1 inches of static per 100 feet of ductwork. Um, and you size that up, and then you go over here, and you select the dimensions for the duct, and then you, you write those on the piece of paper. Um, if it's the return, then it's going to be a 0.08, and it kind of made little marks on the two um, indicators that I was going to use, but 0.08 for the return duct work per 100 feet, um, and that was, he kind of set me off on my way to go. So I, you know, round to go, got all that calculated, took it back to him, you know, I'm like so proud, I'm like, here you go, and he looks at it, and he like, you know, he looks at it, and he's like, checking some of them, he's like, 
some of these are not, they're, they're a little bit off. It's like, why, why is that? Um, and it was the fact that I was using the cook calculator and, um, and he was using the train ductilator and they weren't exactly the same, which, you know, in my mind just kind of, uh, you know, blew my young engineering mind. Like, okay, you know, it's a calculator. Numbers should be numbers, right? Use the same thing. But for whatever reason, the, the, uh, duct sizing calculators are a little bit different. So I guess, uh, <laughs> just something to note if you're as a, company you have certain standards uh and you do design and you size ductwork by hand um why do you make sure that everybody uses the same uh ductilator so that certainly helps and you know I, and in reality i, I kind of look back on that as i was doing some research for this episode and i realized you know using that 0.1 inches a static per 100 per 100 feet of duct um that was a little uh, conservative. I mean, you know, engineers like to be conservative, but I, I might have ended up oversizing a lot of ductwork. Um, I guess on the other side, I ended up saving some energy as well, inadvertently, and I just didn't know that. Um, and that's the that's the thing. I just didn't know a lot. It was just okay. You know, here's your tasks. Here's how to do it. Go to town, and I I did that. So for the longest time, I didn't even know, uh, you know, that that were there were any other duck sizing methods. It wasn't until I uh, took a educational course a number of years later where I decided that there or I discovered that there were actually three different methods and I'm like what I'm like did I not get the memo why why was this you know kept from me it's, it it should be obvious that you should explain okay here's what you're using you're using the equal friction method um, because all the different pieces of ductwork that you selected are based on a certain friction loss uh, and but there are others that were out there and, and generally speaking two are the primary ones um, a third one uh, called the velocity method or the velocity reduction method is is kind of the third one um, that was um, that you that you find in train and carrier you don't find it in ash ray so, so much um, ash ray focuses on the equal friction and the static regain method um, and I found out in train kind of why that was I guess the uh, the, the velocity method is really more of a residential practice um, and carrier had that velocity reduction method and I'm not sure that varies too much from the uh, regular velocity method. Um, but in this one, I'm going to focus pretty much on the, you know, the equal friction method is, you know, I got to imagine is, is, is going to be the most common. Uh, they did note that the static regain method that was used for larger applications, um, you know, large hide rises, things like that, um, where you would end up using that. You know, and, and looking with this, funny enough, I was I get back into the fundamentals, ASHRAE fundamentals uh, manual, the handbook that they have, and it it did not disappoint. It was it was as difficult to use and not friendly as usual. I, I mean, the very first page, they hit you with integrals, they hit you with you know numbers of equations, and I'm like, you know, this is not a practical guide. Um, you know, train and carrier do a much better job. They're much more um, kind of friendly. Uh, but in, I guess in Ashray's defense, I mean, this is kind of a definitive reference. So it is, it has everything and the kitchen sink, but it doesn't have a lot of space. So it, they're kind of tasked with, you know, okay, here's duct design in 33 pages. And don't forget, you have to put in the tables, charts, and a reference section. Uh, you have 33 table or 33 pages to describe duct design. And that has to be a pretty daunting task and, and weeds out a lot of um, helpful, useful examples. They, you know, here's one example. Here's another example. Done. You know, so that's that's, you know, in, in Ashray's defense, I think that's that's, uh, you know, 
that's what you get. But you certainly understand the the theory behind duck design. But I think that uh, Carrier and Drain again do a much more uh, uh, a much better job practically teaching duck design to younger engineers. All right, so what's really the, you know, behind these methods? What's the, what's the goal? Obviously, you're, you're delivering air through ductwork and you're, del- you know, delivering heating or cooling. And I guess, you know, as, as far as, uh, you know, duct layout goes, you need to make sure that, you know, you keep in mind that you want to use um, as little material as possible. Uh, not only that, but you want to make sure that the fabrication and installation costs are as low as possible. So, so keep it simple. Keep it practical. Um, don't get crazy. Um, you want to keep the pressure drop low. That's important uh, for your, you know, your fan sizing. That leads to lower energy, low energy drop. Um, smaller ductwork obviously uh, also leads to a low energy loss. You want to have a, a low leakage, so that comes into play. But that's, you know, it depends what size the ductwork is, where it is in the system. Um, and then you know low noise. Obviously, that's that's a big one when sizing when sizing the ductwork. Um, a little bit more in how you lay it out um, that can play a big factor. But you know when you talk about velocity, um, that can add a lot of noise in a system. So um, also, and I guess the, you know the big thing you know when you talk about layout, you need to make sure that it fits into the building with the rest of the systems and finishes. So that's that's really the why um, that you you need to focus, why it's important to understand duct sizing and understand the nuances of duct sizing. All right, so let's get back to these two methods, these equal friction method and the, the static regain. Um, the, what's the, the benefits of these? Um, using the equal friction method, um, this is uh, typically going to be a lower first cost uh, because of your smaller branch ductwork. Uh, the static regain, um, I guess Carrier did a nice example in their manual. Um, saving energy uh, is one, and we're talking like in the neighborhood of 5%, 5 5-6%, uh, was, I think was the example they used. Um, and it ultimately needs less balancing because everything is kind of, you know, a, a lower pressure drop. So it's easier to balance. You know, getting, you know, I, I totally understand the static regain. That's simple. The velocity method, that's simple as well. Um, you know, you, you base it either on a pressure drop or you base it on the velocity. Uh, the static regain, mm, not so much. I, I was hoping that I'd get a better handle and understanding through the, the research that I did, but I, I, I just didn't. There wasn't some, you know, great examples. And I think that maybe stems from the fact that typically you use static regain in larger systems, and in those larger systems, you'll tend to use uh, software, uh, sizing software, uh, so that's it makes it easier and you have, don't have to understand it but ultimately i guess uh, maybe it maybe you know given the old college try um, what the static regain method is is it tries to balance out the downstream pressure drop with the upstream pressure drop and 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 i guess the downstream being downstream of the vav versus upstream of the vav box or terminal unit um, so that is really what it does it, it tries to oversize the uh, supply and branch duct work um, upstream of the VAV, uh, so it reduces that, uh, and it tries to balance, again, balance that out with the uh, the VAV box and downstream of it. Uh, so if you take a look at the uh, the two side-by-side, the equal friction method and the static regain, uh, the mains are primarily, uh, they're going to be sized similarly. Uh, you're not going to get too much difference there. The The difference comes in the, uh, the branch duct work, which, again, you know, 
there, you know, that's that's why it's lower first cost for the equal friction, uh, smaller branch ductwork, but you know, more energy savings, less balancing because you have sm- uh, larger branch ductwork with a static regain. Um, all right, so I hope I didn't mess that up too much. If it's still confusing to you, you know, do do your own research on static regain um, if that's something that 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 you're into. All right, and then I want to just wrap this up with some some best practices um, that I kind of. Uh, went over for, uh, or, uh, discovered in my, um, you know, from my experience and based on what I was reading. So uh, when you're talking about duck sizing, uh, velocity recommendations, there are charts, um, depending on where you look. And it's, this is, might be something that you would develop a company standard on, you know, here's the sizes that we're taking a look at, or here's the velocities that we're going to use in these certain situations. Um, some of the, uh, ones, you know, it's just, it's just a, it's similar to like a 500 foot per minute, uh, for coil velocity. Why, why 500 feet per minute? Um, if you didn't know, it's to prevent carryover. You just want to keep the, uh, moisture that condenses on the coil. You want to allow it to drip off. If you go higher than 500 feet per minute and you know frankly again that might be conservative so it might be 550 might be 600 you start to get some moisture uh, you get some carryover so moisture will start being blown off the coil at higher velocities so that's why you want a coil an air handling unit at 500 feet per minute um, if you're talking about the, the duct mains, uh, you know, if you're talking about like an office building, um, in an office building, you're probably going to have 2000 feet per minute in the main. And that was something that, that carrier recommended as a, as a maximum. Um, obviously you can keep it lower if you want. Um, but, uh, y- you know, that you kind of, it's it's the the balancing act between um being noisy and efficient and using energy and and again it's all gets back to those um uh some of those things about why why we design it you know it's the pressure drop and the the low energy usage and the the fabrication and, and keeping it keeping it simple um for bra- for branch duct work you want to limit it to 600 feet per minute in uh, offices and if you take a look at that um versus what you'd have in a residential application um they're going to be like you know less than half residential you want to keep it slow a thousand feet per minute in the main supply drop in the main supply run and 600 feet per minute in the branches and again you know it's that that's a combination of noise and it's a combination of uh your fan sizing um you know again if you don't have a big fan you're gonna have to oversize your ductwork because it just can't handle that much static uh pressure drop you know and obviously the layout and the fittings play a large role in that uh but you know that's obviously that's something that you have to be very cognizant of in sizing your ductwork do it will i have enough uh, will i have a big enough fan to overcome this um and you know i guess you want to be able to start somewhere safe so when you get to the end uh it's not going to be out of proportion that's where some of these velocity recommendations come from um also other best practices use round ductwork whenever possible um aspect ratios for square ductwork uh or rectangular ductwork you want to keep those two to one so if you have like a a 24 by 12 that would be a two to one ratio um and you know you want to have an absolute max of four to one and an absolute max that's coming from me um i wouldn't I wouldn't trust anything that was over four to one aspect ratio. So again, using that or, or, or example, that would be a, a 48 by 12. Um, and obviously as you get smaller and smaller, um, that aspect ratio of four to one becomes more and more 
unacceptable. Um, you know, I wouldn't have something, you know, a 40 by 10 um, piece of duct. I, I, it just, it, to me, it seems just, you know, at all possible. But obviously, you know, there's these installation and layout factors um, that, that come into play. But, you know, try not to, you know, get you know, get that kind of out of whack with your aspect ratios. And obviously, one thing that you want to keep in mind is that, uh, you know, there's different lengths. Um, uh, typically, your rectangular ductwork is going to come in four, five, or six-foot uh, sections, uh, and those are going to be those are going to be stacked up. Uh, if you use round ductwork, uh, round ductwork could, you know, conceivably be much, much, much longer. And actually, I, I found a, a, a video on YouTube that I'm going to share in the show notes uh, of, you know, them making like a, spi- a spiral round ductwork. And you can make those you know, seriously long. Um, it really, the only factor is transporting them from point A to point B. Um, if you did it on site, which, you know, if you had a big enough project, you know, maybe you just do that. But um, for, you know, that you might have, you know, an easy maybe like a 10-foot section or a 12-foot section. Um easy for a, a a spiral duct and obviously you know obviously the um the fewer fittings that you have the fewer joints that you have the less duct leakage the less extra parts you have um the easier it is to put up um so there's a lot of benefits for being able to select round versus rectangular um if you don't if you've never seen rectangular duct being put together um i'd also go to youtube and, and try to try to find some i didn't see a lot of of great examples, but if you if you don't know about duct construction, um, it's something that uh, you should definitely uh, definitely take a look at just to understand the appreciation of of you know what you're designing, how these things are being put together. Uh, other things, roughness factor, uh, very important. So once you lay it out, you're assuming um, that the the roughness factor co- coefficient really is you know for brand new ductwork, uh, brand new sheet metal, it's one. So it really it doesn't it doesn't increase your size or decrease your size or affect your pressure drop too much. Um, but when you get into things like um, when you have real smooth sheet metal, um, you might get a, you know, a bonus, uh, for the, you know, the smoothness factor, um, versus, you know, what the pressure drop is. If you're using a concrete, uh, tunnel for your ductwork, uh, you know, and that certainly happens in, in larger buildings or different theaters that I've seen, uh, where you have just concrete walls, just kind of encasing it. And that is increasing your, uh, friction. And that's, you know, that's, that's slightly, um, you know, that might be, I mean, for the, for the, uh, the concrete, it, it could be a big factor. Uh, generally speaking, I think the, the big killers there is the, the flex duct work. Um, when you look at the flex duct, um, you know, it really, really affects the, the pressure drop. Um, and when you're going from, you know, 0.1 inches of static per hundred feet and you have a flex duct that, is a quarter of an inch because it's compressed and it's improperly installed. That's huge. Um, and you know, I mean, I, I guess the, the flex duct, you want to be able to kind of minimize the length. You don't want to, you don't want to use any more than you absolutely have to. You want to be able to make sure that you're watching for tight areas. And if you're inspecting it out in the field, you want to make sure that those connections, and typically they're going to be from a main trunk to a VAV box uh, or a, um, a branch duct to a diffuser. Those are kind of some of the typical places that you see them applied. Um, and if you compress it, 
you know, if it's not not fully extended, you're going to get a lot of pressure drop. And I've seen, you know, a lot of cases where um, they they just tried to do, you know, they didn't they didn't lay out the system real well, and they tried to make it up with flex duct, and that's not going to work. Um, and then, of course, obviously, I think we've all seen horror stories where you know you have one single plenum and all this, you know, just tens of you know just you know a bunch of you know 10 foot 20 foot of flex duct just kind of you know it looks like this giant spider going all over the place that is a huge pressure drop um so especially when you're kind of fighting against a fan that might be a little bit smaller if you've used that a lot in, in residential applications um you just won't get anything out of that duct run at all um, and, uh, I guess the, the last thing I want to just point out, best practices, line duct work and, um, you know, just make it clear that, um, line duct work is just, uh, typically when you have a duct size on a plan, uh, that is going to be free area. So that is not incorporating any sort of internal lining. So you're going to, as you know, and this is kind of, I've seen it play out a number of times where you, the, the contractor will take it verbatim you know you say you have a 24 by 12 duct on this drawing and it will be you know 24 by 12 in the field with one inch one inch of internal lining and you're like no that was 24 by 12 internally lined so that's what that was a free area so it has to be one if you add the lining you have to increase the size and, you know, you just, you get into a bunch of fights and, you know, can you, you know, handle the pressure drop? Do you take it out? Do you make them redo it? Uh, it becomes a, you know, a lengthy discussion point. So if you make it clear on the drawing uh, with a big hairy note uh, that this, in fact, is clear area, um, regardless of whether it's lined or not, the free area, uh, that is probably the best policy to put on your plan. And again, if you, if you didn't know, uh, one-on-one, if you look at a plan and you see a 24 by 12 duct, uh, that is a 24 wide by 12 deep duct. The first number on a plan is always going to be the plan number is always going to be the, the plan dimension. And the second one will be the depth. So, um, those are some of the things that you want to take a look at. All right, that's a wrap for this week. Thank you for your time. I greatly appreciate each and every one of you listening. Um, you are the, the best of the best out there I that I know. I hope this was helpful. If it was, let me know. Um, I could even do a course or a video or something like that if you are, are interested um, and contact me directly. If it was something that, uh, if you know somebody that is interested in ductwork design, why don't you go ahead and share this episode? It'll increase the value of the relationship that you have with that person. Uh, and also, as I mentioned at the top of the show, please, if you do one thing, join the growing community at HVAC360.com uh, for all that bonus material. And if you do something else, uh, I would greatly appreciate a iTunes review uh, and a comment. Uh, I will anybody who leaves a comment, I always give them a shout out on the show uh, just as an extra bonus. So I appreciate that. Well, that's a wrap for this episode of HVAC 360. I'm your host, Matt Nelson, helping you go further, farther, faster in the field of HVAC. And as always, remember, know what you build and share what you know.